Welcome to How to Stop Wanting Him Back, a podcast on getting over your ex and into yourself. I'm heartbreak coach Claire Byrne. Let's make what feels impossible possible. Thanks for checking in to episode 51, The Icks, when you don't have a guy to talk to. I was inspired to do this episode by another epic client who I'm probably about five or six sessions in with. She is 26 years old. I'm blown away by my mid-20s clients, early 20s clients. I know, I'm blown away by all of my clients. But when I look back and I think about what a fucking train wreck I was (laughs) throughout my entire 20s into my 30s, I am just so in love with these young women who are doing the work, showing up. She reached out to me in the fall. I get reach outs every day from people. I had sent her the information. And uh, when she circled back, her name looked familiar in early January. And she said, I wanted to respond and answer the questions when I was ready financially and emotionally and time-wise. And I just really had mad respect for this woman getting the money together, knowing that I think at the time when she had reached out to me initially in the fall, she was still really reeling through the heartbreak. And then she was ready to stop wanting him back. And this was a relationship that wasn't abusive or anything like that, but she really loved this person. And ultimately they were on different pages about what they wanted. And she had been with him for a couple of years and it was just super painful. And I don't think that there should be any rush on immediately stopping wanting a person back. And like all of my clients who come ready to put the pedal to the metal, I only take on clients who are really ready. So you can go to my website, clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. You can click on the application and I will decide based on the answers to your questions if I think that we are the right fit or if maybe there is a better fit out there or maybe therapy is a better option for you. I think it's so important for me as a coach to stay in integrity about what my work entails. And I'm very specific about wanting to work with women who are ready. A lot of women reach out and are still going back and forth with their exes, even though that they know that they're bad. And when they get to the call with me, this actually just happened with a client. I said to her, I don't think you're ready. And she said, please take me. And I said, you have to do everything that I tell you to do because I don't, I'm just personally, and this is no judgment because I went back and forth to so many Mr. Unavailables, not just my narcissistic sociopathic ex. I went back and forth and engaged with so many Mr. Unavailables and I think of my heartbreak coaching kind of like a weight loss coach. If you sign up with a weight loss coach for six months, like my one-on-one coaching program for six months, well, if you just keep coming to the call telling me that you're eating pizza and brownies and aren't working out, I'm just going to be like, why why do you want to do this work? Why do you want to sign up for coaching, right? And look, we all fall off the wagon. We all might have one too many drinks and slide into someone's DMs in the middle of the night, (laughs) or their bed in the middle of the night, you know, to each her own. I get it. That's why we hire coaches, right? It's to have someone hold you accountable. A lot of people reach out to me and say, I really just want you to hold me accountable, but it's so much more than being held accountable. It is about transforming your mind so that you can finally heal your heart transform this victim story into a heroine story. And I don't say victim story in a judgy way. I have, 
I believe that I was a victim to narcissistic abuse by my rock bottom relationship. Check out episode five if you're interested in learning that story. And it's what catapulted me onto this journey to become a heartbreak coach. Never in a million years did I think nine years later, this is what I would be doing. And all of this had to happen. All of this had to unfold to get me to here doing what I love most more than acting, which is how I identified myself as an actor for the first 34, 35 years of my life. And now being in the most dreamy relationship of my life. So I've been talking a lot about my new relationship and how amazing he is and how in love I am and how different it is and how I know I created him consciously with my brain. And everyone comes to me and they're like, that's what I want. Show me how you did that. And I'm so into sharing all of that stuff, but I was ready and I had done a fuck ton of healing work and cleaning up my shit. And we cannot create space for Mr. Right to come in until we've really cleaned up our story about all the uh, Mr. Unavailables in the past. Check out my last episode, episode 50, uh, saying no to Mr. Unavailable, really understanding, not just saying no, right? Because saying no is the action that we know we need to do. And not eating the brownie is the action that we know we need to do in order to move forward to not lose weight, but it's so much more than that, right? That's why I say I'm not just an accountability coach. You don't have to just check in with me and say, guess what? I didn't eat the brownie today. Guess what? I didn't respond to his text. It's like, how did you move through that? What was your mind saying? Really being consciously aware of what your mind and body are saying in reaction to the brownie being in front of your face or the text message coming through where he's saying, I need you. I want you. I made a mistake. Please come back to me. I'll be different this time. I started going to therapy, right? He ups the ante every single time to suck you back in. And it's paying attention. What is my brain saying? My brain is saying, go back to him. My brain is saying, I love him. My brain is saying, I'm never going to find anybody else. My brain is saying, forgive him, have a heart. My brain is saying, he's the right guy for me, even if it is fucked up. And my body is just you know, riddled with anxiety. And I am just feeling that pit in my stomach. I'm feeling my body say no. And my brain saying, yes, 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 yes. Right. And if you think about that with processed sugar and with alcohol, our bodies were not built to consume processed sugar and alcohol. But I mean, this Irish girl loves, loves her drinks. And so you have to think about that. Like my, we think our bodies are craving the sugar and the alcohol, but it's our brain's that have developed the habit of the craving that makes us salivate. But I know this when I go on cleanses for 30, 45 days with no drinking, my, my body actually doesn't really crave it. And then, you know, it's someone's birthday or you go on a date and you take a sip and then your brain totally remembers, right? Or you think, oh my gosh, I've totally gotten him out of my system because I just didn't speak to him for 60 days. And then boom, you smack into him at a bar or at the gym and it brings all this shit up. So remembering that coaching is not just about taking action and having someone hold you accountable to stopping the unhealthy habits, but really paying attention and developing awareness about what the brain is saying versus what the body is saying and being willing to move through that discomfort because you're holding the vision of the result that you want to create. So This client has been fucking killing it. She's already out of the gate dating. She's moving and shaking, very full life, 
in business school and full-time job, has a great family situation, has great friends, and really wanted to consciously heal and move through this work. And she's been exploring different dudes and just things have been clicking with her in all the ways. At one point, she was setting herself up so that she knew that she might bump in to her ex because she knew a particular place that he would be. And she justified, well, I could just, you know, study there or whatever, because I need to get out of my own apartment. And so I catch on to this shit. And I said, tell me and be real. And you're not going to get into trouble. (laughs) My clients all know, and I hope you guys all know, if you've been listening to majority of these episodes, that it is tough love, but I'm saying, be real to yourself. The best clients are the most honest with me, whether they like what I say, they don't like what I say, they agree, they disagree. I said, let's just be real here. Are you showing up to really do your work? Or are you kind of hoping that you see him? And she said, oh my gosh, I'm totally hoping that I'll see him. And then the first time that I saw him, I thought, oh, I totally fine. We're cool. And we love each other as people and there's long history there, but I'm good. I'm good. And then all of a sudden it's like, once you take that bite of the brownie, right? It's like, oh, I can totally have a bite and you show up again. And maybe it's two bites. And no, I'm not saying that they hooked up or anything like that, but our brains are convinced like, I'll totally be fine. I've shared before on other episodes that when I had to be in the same courtroom as my narcissistic sociopathic ex a year and a half ago, It had been seven years since I had seen him and I had done a lot of work in therapy and through coaching and yoga and meditation. I really committed to a big healing journey from that traumatic relationship. And so I thought I was so good walking into that courtroom. I was totally fine. My friends were all saying, you know, are you sure you don't want someone to go with you? Cause I was going to be back in New York. And I was like, guys, please, this has been seven years. My body totally went into panic. I held it together for the five or six hours that I was in the same room as him. But every time I saw him lie, I just, the the venom (laughs) that wanted to spew out of my body and towards him, right? So it's like, okay, I know I've come a long way. I don't think that that means I'm not healed. It was just an unexpected trigger and triggers happen when you are in the same room as your abuser. And when you don't do the mindset work and you get a little cocky or confident or sloppy. And again, I'm not saying this to judge myself. It was just like, I thought I totally got this. And I didn't shame myself for not preparing. And I didn't shame myself for not bringing someone with me. It was like, wow, that's good information. If I ever, for whatever reason, have to be in the same room as him again, I'm definitely going to better mentally prepare myself for that. And again, it's just information. And so my body went into panic. I'm still alive. It doesn't have to be this horrific, dramatic, terrible thing. Like it's killing you, even though panic attacks very much feel like we are going to die, but it is just important to recognize we have these reactions in our bodies and our brains do sneaky little things to justify. We're totally fine. It's totally fine. If I have a bite, it's totally fine. If I have like half a beer, even though I'm really cleansing right now, but there's barely any alcohol content in beer. I can totally be in the same room as my ex who I just broke up with a few months ago, who I've been, you know, in love with for a couple of years and thought that I was potentially spending my life with him. It's totally cool. Right. And then your body starts to tell you it's not. And then your brain sneakily says, oh, let's just go there again because I totally have to study. So that's what I love about coaching. That's what I love about myself as a coach. I'm like, be real with me. Why do you need to keep showing to that same location to quote unquote study? And so she totally admitted it, which is what I love so much about her and the rest of my clients who are totally freaking real with me. And I said, so why are you doing that? 
<laughs> and I know all of you who are listening are like, well, duh, Claire, of course we know why. You want to see the person that you loved for so long and you want to know that it's good. And I know for her, and I know that this has happened for many of my clients is, oh, does he still care? Do we still have that connection? Because when you cut off contact and you stop talking to each other, you start to question, does he even remember me? Does he think of me? Does he miss me? Even if you know that he's not really the right person for you. Heartbreak is painful, even if the guy isn't a narcissistic sociopath, right? If he's just a good guy who wants different things and you grow apart and you still love each other and you know he isn't ill-willed and you're not ill-willed, it's just not the right fit. And so I said to my client, what would it look like to just go study somewhere else and really commit to not showing up at any location that you think he will be? Now, If you genuinely go to get your coffee at a particular time and you want to get coffee at this coffee shop because it's on your way to work and it works for you, I say go live your life. But if you know that you are purposefully planting yourself there, knowing that you're potentially going to see him, that is literally like, oh, the the brownie turned out to be low fat and I thought that the low fat was okay. Brooke Castillo's weight loss program starts out with no sugar, no flour. And so when people start to ask things like, oh, well, what about fruit? It's just no sugar, no flour. So just fruit have sugar in it? Yes, it does. Is fruit bad for you? No. But her particular protocol is no sugar, no flour. And go look into it. I'm not preaching her diet. I don't know if I've, I've never really done it, but I have, I do know people who've done it and they have had a lot of success with it, but it's just like, notice how the brain tries to bend the rules is essentially what my point is. And she really thought about it. And she said, oh my God, it's totally like eating the brownie when you are trying to lose the weight. The craving is going to be there, you guys. You're going to want to show up to see where he is and check in and make sure that you guys are cool or whatever itch that's going to scratch for you. For some of you, it's hopefully he'll see me and he'll want me back, right? Many different reasons. So my client has been awesome and has checked in with me and said, I wanted to go, but I didn't eat the brownie. And it hasn't been easy, but I'm sticking to it. And what has opened up for me is the pride that I have for myself to resist the urge. And I'm starting to just be a lot kinder to myself. And it's been great, which I just absolutely fucking love because that is an act of self-care, my loves. So many times I hear, what is self-love about? I actually have an episode, so check that out. It's called, what is self-love actually about? Or something to that effect. And I say this all the time. I actually just did an interview with the podcast, I Don't Get It, with Bachelor star Ashley Iaconetti and her sister Lauren and Naz Perez, who is a former big producer on The Bachelor. And I just interviewed with them. So I'll put a link to the profile a a link in the show notes to that episode. But we were talking about how even if you get a facial or a massage or your nails done, and I've talked about this in other episodes too, those are lovely acts of self-care. But if you are reeling in heartbreak, don't believe that those things are going to make you feel better. You got to show up and do the work. I get messages from people all the time who say, what does doing the work look like? I can't afford coaching. So what does the work look like? Listen to every episode and take pen and paper and write down. I share Brooke Castillo's thought model 
Um, you can listen to her podcast, the Life Coach School podcast. I'm also a big student of Byron Katie's work. She has a book called Loving What Is. Put pen to paper and then beyond the pen to paper, take the ahas from the self-coaching that you are doing and implement action to support those thoughts to create your new results. Your thoughts create your results. And if you can't afford coaching, quote unquote, can't, because even I can't afford it is a thought. You could actually say, I choose to pay for other things so that you are coming from a place of empowerment. I actually choose to pay rent instead of choosing to pay for coaching. Really and truly, that is many people's situations. Some people might choose to move home with their parents and take the money and invest in coaching, right? You're choosing how you want to spend your money. You also get to create more money if coaching is what you want to do, if taking a trip is what you want to do, if freezing your eggs is what you want to do, if buying a car is what you want to do. You get to create it. I know this, my loves, because I was heartbroken and I was so fucking broke for so fucking long and enough was enough. And I figured out the money with my brain. I also highly recommend Jensen Charo's You Are a Badass with Money. If you want to create the money, you know that I am super passionate and fired up about this because I believed for so long, I quote unquote, couldn't afford coaching, figure it out. You absolutely can. And Brooke Castillo has amazing podcast episodes on our brains, creating value and value creating money. So don't believe you quote unquote, can't afford it, commit to it. Be the woman who can afford coaching and go create the money and have your mind blown and your world just be transformed to pure magic. That doesn't mean my life is perfect. I am a human. I have daily stresses. I have daily fears. I have daily anxiety, especially especially as I continue to amp up my business and grow in my new relationship, which is crazy to me. It's five months and it's flown, but really being conscious because I always want to nurture and grow as an individual and with my partner. And I definitely know that coaching is what constantly keeps me in check and really helps me choose to pause and act as an emotional adult versus an emotional child. And trust me, there are emotional childlike moments that I have had in this relationship. But even those moments, like a couple of months back, I really was struggling and feeling triggered. And even working through those moments has has inspired me to really step into being an emotional adult consistently in this relationship. And I just know I would not have gotten here without coaching 100%. And so sometimes, you know, when people say to me like, whoa, your coaching is really expensive. I think it is expensive and totally worth it. I like my coach, Stacey Bayman talks about this all the time. I really love expensive things and the value of expensive things and believing that I am worth that value. So really understanding the value. And there are many expensive things out there that I don't want to pay for. And there are many expensive things out there that I do want to pay for. My coach charges $25,000 for six months of coaching. And I am one of 30 women in that group. It's not even... 25K for one-on-one coaching. And I'm not going to lie, my brain automatically was like, whoa, when she jumps to 25K. And I immediately had my old money fear-based thoughts that said, you can't afford that. And then I was like, wait a second, she is my coach. 
she has like just been completely responsible for transforming my personal life and my business. I am going to figure this out. She is pushing me to stretch myself to figure out a way to pay her. And I did. And I know already only two weeks in that this I feel like I've already gotten the 25K of value in the last two weeks that I've been in this particular mastermind with her. But I think a part of that is I decided she is the coach for me. I decided that I am worth every penny and I decided I'm totally capable, right? Not even she is worth every penny. I am worth every penny to invest that in with the best coach for me. And I share all these details with you guys because I am telling you, I literally, I I, I think about, what I even used to charge and how my brain would have believed I couldn't afford it. And other things were way more important. And I'm just destined to be broke as a joke because I'm a struggling artist and life is hard. And it's just, it's so unbelievable to me that when you really start to commit and step into the future version of yourself and you refuse to attach to old limiting beliefs and you refuse to attach to the evidence that supports that, your funds are limited. The world is your oyster. So again, check out those uh, resources that I mentioned, and we'll definitely put the link in the show notes there, because if the coaching is what you want, you know, and and you're confused about what the work is, there's plenty of work that you can do for self-coaching. And then there's next level work you can do with a coach. And really ask yourself, am I just planning a trip? Do I need a vacation? Do I need those regular facials? Do I need that those regular blowouts? Do I need to go out for all those dinners? Do I need to shop for a new wardrobe for each season? By the way, as I list all these things off, these are all the things that I want to do. But I made changes in my priorities because I knew that the coaching actually was going to end up helping me create more money to do all those things all the time while also just being the best, most up-level version of myself. And there's always room to grow. So shocker, I don't know where all of that tangent went to, but speaking of my client who figured out the money at 26 years old, who's been killing it and not showing up to the Starbucks to see if her guy is there, her ex is there just for, you know, innocent curiosity's sake. I say that with big air quotes. She had been killing it and doing so well and feeling so strong and really proud of herself and loving herself for just making choices that supported the idea that she was a woman who was in love with herself and not needing her unavailable ex. And then I heard from her last night and she was having an emotional moment. Now, if any of you are listening to this and thinking, ooh, yeah, she's still not over him. That sucks. Yeah, heartbreak's just hard. It just takes time. Eh, Wrong. This is totally par for the course. And let me remind you, she's about five or six sessions into my six-month coaching program. So I was just like, yep, this totally makes sense. She comes, you know, flying out of the gate amped up, ready to go, teach me, coach me, let's heal, let's get clear. He isn't the right guy for me. Oh my God, I'm feeling so good. I can show up to the same place that he may or may not be there and I can handle it and then I can handle it again and then I can handle it again and oh, that's just starting to feel painful and wait, why didn't we work? And I really do love him and I can see that he does still really love me and why did it have to end this way and should we be together? And it's just not the same when I'm going out and dating other people. Are any of these thoughts Sounding familiar to you? 
And then I challenge her and I say, what would it look like to be the future version of yourself who's totally over him and doesn't need to innocently show up? The person who's losing weight doesn't need to just have one bite of the brownie. It's low fat. It's gluten free, right? What would it look like to really be her? Because the future version of you who is healed, happy, whole, super independent, keeping herself open for the right guy doesn't need to show up, doesn't have the guy on her brain. And so that might be confusing for you guys because you say, but how do I be the future version if he is on my brain? You start to act like her. You don't show up to the places that you know he's going to show up. And don't give me the bullshit excuse of, well, it's not fair because we have mutual friends and why do I have to be the one who doesn't show up? How committed are you? to stopping wanting him back. Seriously. Sometimes we need to have a little FOMO and miss out on all the events that the mutual friends are going to so that you can heal and grow and do you and carve out the space to welcome Mr. Right in. And so, as I said, she did it. She was a baller. It made her feel really great. And then she started to have a really sad, lonely moment where she's been crying and feeling lonely. And because she's so amazing at this work, she brought to the reach out because I asked my clients for the on-call tech support to bring their coached selves for the reach outs. Don't come to me being like, what should I do? Because I want for you guys, anyone who works with me, that if we do end at the six months and we decide to not move forward again, some clients re-up, some don't for various reasons. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes they want to work on something else. And so when she reached out, she said, I'm, I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling really emotional. I'm feeling really lonely. And I know what the thought is. I, I don't like having, I don't like not having some boy to talk to. I just thought, whoa, that is so amazing that in the thick of her emotion, right? I heard her crying. I heard her sadness. She was brave enough to investigate. What am I thinking? right? She was intelligent enough to just ask, what is my brain thinking? Because my thoughts create my feelings that drive actions that yield me results. And so she really, I just thought it was amazing. Here she is five, six sessions in. I'm not trying to knock people in their mid twenties. I'm just, again, thinking about my unconscious, unaware victimy self back in my mid twenties, where she paused and she asked herself, what am I thinking? I'm thinking that I really hate not having a boy to talk to. And that brings up so much shame for me, Claire. Oh, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was beautiful. I was so proud. And you guys might be listening thinking, wait, you're proud that your client is thinking the thought that she likes having a boy to talk to. And if she doesn't, she feels lonely. And then on top of that, she's shaming herself. Yes, because awareness is the first step. Any 12-step programs, any of you who are familiar, awareness is the first step in AA, all the anonymous programs, all the anonymous 12-step programs. So bringing that thought to her awareness, because it's just a thought, it's just a story. And she was with someone for over two years who she really wanted a future with. And then she was dabbling around and she was dating. And then that night after so much work, so much effort, it's the same as someone losing weight, right? Like I have been killing it. I have been hitting the gym five times a week for the last month. And I've been eating greens and I've been avoiding the sugar. And then it's like, oh my God, I'm just so tired and I'm so stressed. And all I want is the fucking pizza, right? We get exhausted. Our brains get exhausted breaking the habit. And that is totally normal. And I think it's totally normal to be mad at ourselves for recognizing like, shit, 
I'm really looking for something or someone outside of me to make me feel good. That was my story for fucking years. I'm using a lot of F-bombs. I felt like I was really good at reining them in, but I'm super heated up about this topic because I want to offer you guys, as I did to my client, what would it look like if your best friend reached out to you and said, I hate that I'm feeling lonely. I hate that... I recognize if a guy was talking to me right now that I was interested in, I would feel good. And I feel so much shame. What would you say to your best friend? Like, "Mm, yeah, girl, you need to do some work on yourself. That's pathetic. That's lame. You know, it's like, yes, we live in this feminist culture right now. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. And I Uh, I consider myself a feminist and not needing a man or a woman to fill any void. But I've even had moments in my relationship with someone that I've never been more in love with, where I felt insecure, where I've caught my brain needing his love and attention so that I feel good instead of giving that to myself, which is what I know how to do because I did it for the majority of my 30s. But there are moments where, you know, it's like, oh, here's where the shoe is going to drop. Or there are moments when you're single and you've just gotten out of a relationship and you dabble a little bit with other dudes and then you're not talking to anyone. And all of a sudden you find yourself like, here I am alone on my Monday night and I'm just feeling lonely and sad. And I would just love to connect with someone. Brene Brown talks about this all the time. We are put on this earth to have human connection. So I think it is such a human, raw, vulnerable thought to share and to bring to the surface and to share with me and to love the fuck out of herself for it. So the last thing I offered my client was, ooh, we got to change that thought and jump into the new intentional thought model. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to episode one and take a listen where I break down Brooke Castillo's thought model with the thought, all I want is for him to come back. I also do it throughout many other episodes, but uh, it's important to share that her model was created by her, but that is a huge tool that I use in my coaching. But we don't just jump to an intentional thought model to pick the pretty thought so that you get the pretty desirable result. You have to be so fucking real with what your brain is doing, which is why I know that the coaching is the level, like with getting actually coached so that you have someone who is an expert who can look at your brain and hear you and understand and be an expert, whether you're reaching out to a coach for weight loss or to build your business or to get your finance in order or to heal your heart. Definitely call me if that's the case. But an expert who's just, who can say something like, are you really going to just study at Starbucks or are you going because you kind of are curious and it's starting to become a little bit of a thing that your brain is trying to convince you that it's not, right? Having someone really be savvy with being onto you and your brain when you aren't seeing it. It's huge. It's everything. It's so transformational. And she was feeling so raw, so vulnerable, so sad, feeling shame. And she immediately texted back and said, I know I would be so kind to my best friend. And here I am not doing it to myself. And I said, but you, you are doing it to yourself. You have signed up for coaching. You took the time. You figured out the money. You show up for every single call. You check in with me in between calls every single week, sharing your growth, moving through the discomfort, owning your shit, shining a light on the thoughts that make you feel like ass, including this one. That is self-love. That is self-compassion and recognizing the shame and watching it and just saying, okay, so that started to happen but I'm calling it out. I'm sharing it with my coach. We're holding space of compassion for all of it because it's so normal. 
And that is the gateway through to the healing. And when she's less emotional on our next call, we will diffuse that thought, right? I'm noticing I'm having the thought that I feel the icks when I don't have a guy to talk to, right? And it's like, is that really true? How is it true that I don't have the icks when I don't have a guy to talk to? I feel great when I don't have a guy to talk to. It's so true because so many of us end up getting really obsessive, not present in our lives, judging how long it's taking for him to respond. It's a lot of work when you start to date someone. So how is it true, right? That she doesn't get the ics when she doesn't have a guy to talk to and just exploring with the brain and starting to really carve out a new story to free her from this old limiting belief that is so natural and so normal for her to have. But is it the thought that we want her to continue to have? No, we want her to fall so madly, deeply in love with herself. I want that for all of you guys. And again, this work is not about the brain never thinking that we want someone or something outside of ourselves. Because again, yes, we are here for human connection. But most importantly, this work that I do with my clients, any of the shit that I want you to pick up through this podcast is finding that madly loving, deep connection with yourself. And that's when Mr. or Miss Wright appears. I know this because I'm experiencing this. I was super intentional. I was super one-pointed. I was very clear. My boyfriend says to me, you know, I, I want to thank you because, you know, you were the one who really created this. And he was in a place where he was clear about what he wanted, but he wasn't on the hunt for it necessarily. And part of him didn't know if that existed for the right person for him. And I believe that he created it just as much as I did, whether it was consciously or unconsciously. I've shared this before that, you know, I'm someone who's just always naturally had a a huge amount of girlfriends. That's not something I've ever needed to work for. So I don't think about, ooh, what was I consciously thinking to create amazing girlfriends wherever I go? It's just something that comes naturally to me, but I'm sure I have a thought about it. I think probably if I hit pause right now and think about why is it that I have amazing sister friends and I always have someone to connect with, even though I'm an extroverted introvert, so I like to retreat a lot, but I always have just had amazing supportive girlfriends. Well, I've always believed that I'm an amazing supportive girlfriend. And as I say that, I know that there are people out there who have not thought that about me. I haven't been perfect, but I've always believed for the most part, I'm a pretty amazing girlfriend. It's not, it's just not something that I consciously think about. If you think about very skinny people, they're not constantly thinking about their weight. Maybe some of them are because they're working really hard for it. And they think that being skinny means that they're worthy, but I'm just saying naturally thin people who go about their days and just don't think about what they eat and don't, you know, make it this big deal that they have to exercise. It's just a part of who they are. And yes, there's genetics and all of that. I'm just using arbitrary examples, right? But it is possible to retrain the brain to believe that you don't need someone in order for you to feel good. You don't have to have the icks when you're alone and explore the loneliness. And so I don't think that my client all of a sudden will never stop thinking, oh, I I don't feel lonely when I don't have a guy, right? What if she is single for the next year? Those moments will pop up. When I moved into my new apartment in Beverly Hills here back in June of last year, 2019, I have been pretty, I would say I've been way more in love with being alone than I had been in partnership, even though I really wanted to create a partner. I was so focused on my business and 
As I've mentioned, I've lived with roommates for the better part of the last five years because I was investing so much money. Again, I was willing to sacrifice living alone in my 30s to put the money into my coaching business and to my coaching because that's what mattered to me. But when I moved in and I had this huge ass coffee table, thanks West Elm, you left it unassembled at the bottom of my steps. And I thought, oh my God, I just wish I had a man who would be able to lift it up and assemble this for me. And the thought really caught me by surprise because I was feeling so empowered and I'm getting my new place in Beverly Hills. And I was so proud of myself, just like my client, right? focusing on work and business school and healing and opening herself up to Mr. Availables. And all of a sudden that sneaky brain of ours just wants to sabotage a little. So instead of going, why does my brain do that? And there must be something wrong with me. And am I crazy? And am I the only one that thinks this? That's the probably the most commonly asked question by my clients. Am I the only one who thinks like this? Am I your craziest client? No, you are a brave soul who is showing up to grow and heal and do the work and look at your shit and diffuse through it and lean into the inevitable pain that we are going to experience as humans. And I think that's fucking baller. And for this woman to be doing this at 26, my mind is blown. I can't wait to see what happens in the coming months for her. And I can't wait to see what happens in the coming months for you guys. I get messages every day from all of you who are using what I've offered in this podcast and putting pen to paper and transforming your lives and healing and growing and creating love in your life. And you don't stop. And if you want to take this work to the next level, go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and apply for my six month one-on-one coaching program. You guys are coming out in droves right now. So there may be a wait list starting in March at this point. So if this is something that is on your mind and you have been hemming and hawing, what is stopping you? Do thought work on that. What is really stopping you? And is that just a thought keeping you safe, small, and protected? Or do you really know 100% it's not right now? And that is totally fine. But if it's something that you're like, oh, I want to, but I just don't have the time. I just don't have the money. I'm so scared. I like what Claire says, but she's really fucking tough and intimidating. (laughs) I've gotten that before. But my coach is tough and intimidating. And I love that because I am going to do the work. If someone just held my hand and was like, it's no big deal, Claire, just keep doing what you're doing. And hopefully a different result will come. What would be the point of hiring me? So really ask yourself that. And if this is something that you want to do, what's it going to take to just say not yes to me, yes to yourself so that you make this new year, this new decade, your best yet. Until next time, my loves. Bye. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down and would like to deepen this work with me as your coach, go to claireburncoaching.com forward slash connect and let's connect.